Um, we're going to continue our series that we've been talking about, the manifest presence of God. And so I'm going to read through three different texts, and then we're going to get right into it. Um, so try to follow along here. The first one is out of 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4, and Paul says, And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and the power of God. Can you say amen? 1 Corinthians chapter 10, we're going to read four verses, and this is all in the New King Jimmy version. Moreover, brethren, I, I do not want you to be unaware of all of our fathers that were under the cloud, all passed through the sea, all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. All ate the same spiritual food, all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank of the spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. And we know the Apostle Paul is telling us the Old Testament shadow and type of the baptism of water that, the, the, that we participate in Christ and the baptism of the Spirit, the cloud and the sea. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 and 13. I love these verses. For as the body, the body of Christ, is one and has many members, but all the members of that body being many are one body, so also is Christ. So he's saying the same way our physical body is one, yet has different parts. Same with the body of Christ. Verse 13, for by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, all have been made to drink into one spirit. Can you say amen? amen? Let's pray together real quick. Father, I thank you for this day. Thank you uh, that I have plenty of time to preach. And I hope everyone had breakfast because I'm not going to rush myself in Jesus' name. Lord, thank you for your people. Thank you for this wonderful time of worship. Let us never take it lightly. Let us never become too familiar that contempt grows within our hearts and minds of the treasure that we have, that, Papa, you kiss our gatherings with your beautiful presence. You manifest your glory in our midst. We are so grateful. We thank you that it's increasing. And Lord, as we dive into the word, I pray for freedom. I pray that people would be released in who they are. I thank you for the word of the Lord. Lord, use me, and I pray for open hearts and open ears. We come hungry. We come sitting at the table of the Lord to feast together. We pray in Jesus' name. Would you just seal it with an amen and a shout of praise real quick? Come on. Hallelujah. So we were, uh, we were gone last Sunday, and thank God for, uh, for our team that handled things. We went on a family vacation, and how many were here last week? Pastor Chris did an awesome job. I got a chance to listen to it. Um, and, uh, and we're doing a series on the pre- manifest presence of God. Now, it's important that we, uh, that we understand when we talk about the presence of God, uh, we're, we're not just talking about like uh, the, the, the presence of God that's everywhere, but we're talking about the presence of God we experience. And so we've been laying a foundation and we're going to jump into this a little bit more. Uh, and today I, I'm going to be diving into a little different facet of it. And I'm excited about that. But we uh, thank you for allowing us to just take some time off. And uh, we had a wonderful time in Mexico. Hallelujah. Gloria a Dios. La paz del Señor sea contigo. Where's my Latino brothers and sisters at? Come on, somebody. How's my Spanish? 
Bueno, yeah, I know. Thank you. This gringo. So uh, we, uh, we had some time off. Now, we went to Cancun, and this is a, a vacation. The first time we did it, it was five years ago, and it was just my wife and I, and uh, we had such an awesome time, and it was our 15-year anniversary, and we went. My, my wife's like, honey, let's go to Mexico or something. Let's just do something cool. We can just get away. So uh, I, we started researching, and I found a, a good deal, and, and we ended up going to this resort in Cancun that had the most beautiful beach. It was all-inclusive. Come on, somebody. That means the fun is included. What? Uh, everything was included. So we're having a blast. We're on the, on the beach. And this is the Caribbean. So the Caribbean is like aqua blue. And you can see the bottom. Like you can see the sun shines down. And you can see what you're stepping into. Now, my wife was not a huge fan of the ocean up until this time. So she's a native vegan, but she would go down to Southern California. How many have ever gone down to Southern California? Some of y'all are from there, right? Newport Beach. And there's some nice beaches down there. But the water down there is different. It's a deeper blue. You can't really see. Some beaches are even cloudier. You, can't, you step in the water, you can't really see where you're going. My wife had a bad experience in the ocean, uh, I think in the San Diego area. And uh, the riptide pulled her out. I think the lifeguard had to save her or something. And she's okay, obviously, up here on the front row. Um, the only thing that happened out of that is she got addicted to shopping as she confessed to the whole church a little while ago. I don't know how, but maybe that has nothing. That's just an excuse that she uses. But anyways, that was dumb. But I'm just trying to get y'all to lighten up a little 11 a.m. crowd. So we, we went down to Cancun. This was a totally different ocean experience. So we're hanging out on the beach under our umbrella, right? Eating some ceviche, gloria a Dios. And we're just chilling. And this blue water is just calling our name. Like, come, swim inside me. Ha, ha, ha. And so I'm like, honey, are you ready? She's like, I don't know. <laughs> the waves are not as big as, you know, Newport. So she, it's a little more inviting. And uh, we get out there and she turns into a seven-year-old. She's splashing. Oh my God, this is amazing. I'm not exaggerating. She, it was the cutest thing in the world. And she's so pretty and she's just like splashing. I'm like, I feel like we're in heaven in the river of life or something right now. And she's just having a blast. And we had just an awesome experience. Jump forward to the vacation we just took, same place. Can't get enough of that beach. We're with all our kids. We decide to go jet skiing. Who likes a jet ski? Now, I, I've never really been like a big jet, jet skier, but we decided to go, and it was so much fun. And we talked the guy into letting us come back and getting each kid. So we got to take all the kids and just go out for a little bit. And then we had a little time left. I'm like, Hannah, go tell mom she's going. She didn't want to go. I had to force her. I said, she's going. So she jumped on and she's like screaming and we're jumping on waves and stuff. And, you, and we just went out there, just went out in the deep blue. And it starts out where it's real aqua blue. And then as you go deeper, then you start not being able to see what's beneath you. It's a little more mysterious. Like what's going on down there, right? And we go out and we're having fun jumping on waves and um, so my wife kind of has like this, not, I wouldn't say fear phobia, she, I should say she had, of when you're in water and you can't see what's going on. Uh, and sometimes, how many know sometimes we can have that phobia with the things of the spirit? We're comfortable where, well, I know what's going to happen right here, but I'm not comfortable with really letting go and inviting something insanely powerful to happen. 
And so we're out there jet skiing and um, we would turn off the motor and just chill and look back and it was just beautiful. And this one moment I turned the motor off and we're just having fun and I kind of leaned to the left and I think my wife leaned with me probably because her arms were around me. Come on, somebody. And we both fell in the water off of the jet ski in the deep blue ocean of the Caribbean. And for some reason, we weren't moving that fast, but my wife was like maybe 15 feet away from the jet ski. Now I'm laughing because it was funny, you know, but she's scared because she can't see anything that's going on beneath the water. And so I do what any loving husband would do in that moment. I start yelling, shark, 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 shark. (laughs) Made things way worse for her. She's like, no, I'm going to die. No. She starts, she brings her feet to the surface thinking that'll help. The shark can't get her feet. So she's paddling like a little kid who's never swam before. Sorry, baby. Your wife's not your punchline. Hashtag preacher. But that was amazing. So obviously that ended quickly because I didn't want to get in trouble and be in the doghouse for a week. So I said, honey, let me get you back on this jet ski. I started flexing, still didn't look any better. Pulled her up. We got back on the jet ski. But isn't it similar to how it is in the realm of the spirit? We're comfortable with what we see, but we're not comfortable with the deep. And the manifest presence of God, like the Bible talks about Psalm 42.7, deep is calling unto deep. The depths of God's heart is calling the depths of our heart to experience him in a more real way. Where the experience that God is everywhere and us being aware of that isn't just a typical Sunday morning goosebump but where transformation takes place deep in our hearts, where we start singing about the blood of Jesus and have an altar call in the middle of worship. Come on, somebody. Where God meets with us, and this is what I want to talk about this morning as I'm reading these texts. Not only that God's calling us deeper, because how many know that some people like the deep waters? Hello? Like, I was fine out there. Some people are afraid of the deep waters, but... We as a people shouldn't just want to go deeper individually, but as a people together, we go deeper corporately. There's something about the way that we experience God in worship. We can never belittle or we can never try to write a formula about it. We can never uh, underestimate. We can never try to articulate the mystery Uh, the reality that when we worship together, when we pray together, come on, somehow it just, it happens that we experience God in a greater way together. Some people would call it the corporate anointing, uh, the manifest presence. You know, all throughout the Old Testament, you see the presence of God uh, described as, as a cloud, like a shining cloud, like a glory cloud. And, And so even Paul uses that same terminology referencing the spirit. And he says the same way they were baptized in the sea and the cloud, you were baptized in Christ. We're baptized into Christ. And he even says it in in chapter 12 of verse 12 that we're all, hear me, baptized in one spirit. How many know that we're not just baptized in water, but we're baptized as the people of God in the manifest presence of God. We're baptized in the spirit together. Now, here's what I found is that that's not a one-time event. That continues to take place. 
Uh, I mentioned briefly during worship that my family, I got to share this a few weeks ago, but my family had an encounter with God in our living room and we were all baptized in the presence of God, baptized. And what happened was our hearts uh, just were healed and we were touched and walls came down and we, we began to love one another greater. We're praying for one another. How many of that happens when you drink of the spirit? Now, how many of you back in the day remember when you were out clubbing and you had one too many drinks and you just loved everybody in the room? (laughs) Or if you're Irish and you drank too much whiskey, you want to fight everybody in the room. (laughs) But how many know that when we drink the wine of the spirit, we fall in love with one another? We begin to see things differently. We lose our inhibition, if you will, and, and not total control, but we, we open our hearts. You know, it's like sitting at a table and you, you're feasting and all of a sudden you find yourself laughing and connecting with people that maybe you wouldn't normally connect with in your heart to heart, eye to eye, face to face. And that's what happens when we worship together. And we can never underestimate how we, hear me, how we experience the presence of God when we're together. Some people get addicted to it, and I think it's a good addiction. Some people get addicted to experiencing God alone. We should be addicted to both. We should never be just addicted to one or the other because some people love to worship in corporate settings, but they spend no time in the secret place. Some people spend all sorts of time in the secret place, but they will not put themselves in healthy community. One or the other, if you exclude one or the other, it will lead to deception. It will either lead to rebellion and an unteachable spirit. But if we find ourselves loving being with God and experiencing God individually in the secret place and coming to a gathering, not just Sunday, but a Wednesday, come on, discipleship, Monday night, men, Thursday night, women's discipleship, a small group in Starbucks with your friend. We come with anticipation that we get to meet with God together. Man, I feel like I'm preaching way better than you're responding, but thank God the blood is ever flowing and ever cleansing glory. It's almost like when we come together and worship, a glory cloud comes. We're just covered. Now, it's interesting. There is a mystery to this. Like, there's a geographical thing to it. I don't know if, if it's because angels like to linger around houses of worship. Um, and the Bible says that the angels carry the manifest presence on their wings, the glory of God is on their wings. But there's a mystery too, because I've found that sometimes there's pockets of manifest presence. Even though he's everywhere, there's areas where you experience it. I walked through this church in, in uh, I almost said in Russia. I've never been to Russia. It's a Russian Orthodox church in San Francisco. I walked through there. There's prayer that goes on constantly. This is the Eastern Orthodox church. And I walk in and, uh, and my wife and I are walking in and we walk in and I, I, she's over on one side. It's huge, beautiful. She's over on one side. I'm on the, on the other. And I walk in and literally I felt like a, I felt a bubble of glory. And I was like, whoa, like, and we, and we use this metaphor like, oh, it feels juicy over here. Like, you know, juicy grapes that are the promised land. I don't know why we say that, but it just felt like weighty glory. And then my wife walks over and she said, oh man, can you feel that? I'm like, yeah, I felt the same thing. 
There are pockets. I don't know why, but my office seems to have that pocket, Chris's office. And, and so there's different places where there's prayer going on and there's worship going on. Where, and it's a mystery. How many know that it's mysterious that sometimes you can experience more of God when you're worshiping with a brother or sister? And Jesus even said this. He said, where two or more are gathered, I am there in the midst. But he also said, my spirit will be with you and in you and abide with you forever. The Bible says we individually are a corp, uh, we individually are a temple of the Holy Spirit. How many of God's with us? But He said, "Where two or more gathered, there I am." And before that, He said, "If you ask anything, in, if you're in agreement, if you ask anything, the Father, He said, He'll do it for you." The word agreement is symphony. I found that when we our hearts are in harmony together, that we experience more of God. It's a mystery, though. Now, real quick, I want to define mystery. And then I want to talk about a metaphor that's really profound that will help us understand the presence of God. When we say mystery, a lot of times we still have, how many know that as new covenant Christians, we can still carry some old covenant mindsets? Hello? Some of y'all have been coming to our church for a few years and, and you've just had that stuff broken off you. Can you give God thanks for that, right? We are in a new and better covenant. That doesn't mean that we discount the Old Testament. I'm talking about the covenant. We believe all of scripture is inspired and authoritative but it's all to be read through the person of Jesus Christ and his finished work at Calvary. And so when we talk about things like, we talk about, uh, you know, mystery, sometimes we think, oh, it's just a mystery. Like, you know, it's, we're, it's just veiled, we'll never know. How many know the Bible says the veil's been taken away and now we see the glory of God. We experience the glory of God because we've seen Jesus. We've seen the Father through the Son. No one has ever seen the Father. No one has ever seen God the Father. But we've seen him in one sense that we've seen the Son. We've seen Jesus. And Jesus said, if you see me, you've seen the Father. So there is this unveiling. And so when the Bible, hear me, talks about mystery, it's mystery revealed, not mystery concealed. I've heard it defined this way. This is just a way to understand it. It's not like walking through a dark room trying to find your way around a dark room. But it's like gazing into the sun where it's too bright to stare directly at it. That's the mystery. But the sun, the mystery, has lit up and illuminated the entire world for us to discover. There's an entire world, a depth of God and experiencing him and his love and his presence for us to discover, to encounter, and to experience individually and corporately. Can you say amen? So this is a mystery I've found. You know, you pray together, you worship together, where you're, whether you're praying or singing a song, and, and there's sometimes it's just really rich, and there's other times it's not. And I found that it's better when your heart is really pointed at heaven and everyone else's hearts are pointed at heaven. Like when a worship team plays all the right chords, but they don't understand this concept, they're not gonna release the manifest presence of God in a worship time. Hello? But when, and Chris would attest to this, any worship leader would attest to this, but when our hearts are joined, there's magic, man. It just, no, I'm, I'm not talking about real magic. I'm talking about that is just something happens. It's, the, it's just the, the presence of God just, man, it's the wind. The wind starts blowing. The wind starts blowing. You know, there's some songs, there's just wind of worship on it. There's other songs, there's just not that much wind on it. There's a mystery to it. But I can tell you this, that God wants us to discover more of the depths of his love. That deep is calling on the deep. Now, in the Old Testament, it talks about the clouds. I want to use this analogy because all throughout the Old Testament, the presence of God is used, uh, the metaphor is used that, like a cloud. And so there's like this glory cloud. 
And how many know that there is actually, I want to talk about this metaphor because it'll help us understand the presence of God. There is actually water vapor in this air right now. You can't see it because it's in the form of a gas. Did you know that? Now in Las Vegas, there's not as much water vapor as there would be in Cancun by the ocean. It's much more humid. Anybody from down south at all where it's real humid? Oh my goodness. It gets so hot and humid. Like I would rather be in 110 in dry heat than 90 with 95% humidity. But there's a, there's a different atmosphere, right? And so there's water vapor comes from the water, from rivers, from this is how clouds are formed. So I'm going to turn into uh, Zach, the science guy, (laughs) praise God. And, and by the ocean, so water turns into water vapor, turns into gas and it begins to rise up. And what happens, clouds are formed where this, this water vapor begins to elevate, hear me. And when it hits a certain atmosphere or temperature, the water vapor turns into water, into tiny particles, and it manifests into the form of a cloud. The same thing happens in the spirit. God's presence is everywhere. But in certain atmospheres, certain temperatures, hello, certain elevation, there's an there's a manifestation of a cloud. Now it's interesting if you look, you know, like cumulus clouds, they're usually flat on the bottom and then you see them form on the top. How many are with me? You've seen those clouds before. There's actually water vapor beneath that. You just don't see it because as soon as it hits that elevation and the atmosphere is right, it manifests. It's invisible to the naked eye because it's in the form of a gas. The same thing with the presence of God, just as a metaphor, the presence of God is everywhere. And there's some places where it's a little more tangible, right? But he's everywhere. He's omnipresent. And what we need to learn is for some reason, I think God is just attracted to it. When we begin to praise and we begin to worship Psalm 22, three, the Bible says he inhabits the praises of his people. The word inhabit is enthrone, abide. It's a picture of a king sitting on a throne. I think of Jesus when he ascended into heaven. He didn't just die and was buried and raised from the dead. He actually ascended. There's a lot of things that happened. He didn't just ascend. He actually sat down on a throne. And the Bible says not too long after that, he ascended into heaven. Then what happened? The day of Pentecost came. He promised the spirit of my father. He said, the spirit that proceeds from the father, I'll baptize you with. So the spirit came down. And how many know that that's what happens when he is enthroned in our midst, the spirit flows. There is a heavenly substance. There is a kingdom reign. There is a release of the dominion of heaven when we begin to praise and allow God to inhabit that praise. There's something about, hear me, a worshiping church and a praying church that experiences, if you will, this divine condensation. So when these water vapors begin to elevate and they hit the atmosphere, there's a condensation. And then there's a precipitation. I like to call that revival. A church that knows who they are and has been sent by heaven. And they begin to proclaim what God is saying over religion. Region. I'll give you an example. What happens in Vegas will not stay in Vegas, but will shake the nations for the glory of God. I'll give you another example. Vegas is no longer sin city. It is sun city, saint city, revival city. Come on, grace city. 
And we begin to get God's heart for the people in our region. And we're worshiping people. We're praying people. There's a divine condensation, a cloud, not just an individual cloud, because we all carry the glory. But when we come together, there's a bigger cloud that forms. Come on. And what happens, that cloud rises. Then it becomes a precipitation where it begins to rain from heaven. Then there's a continual rain. Then the rain pours down and comes back down into the rivers, back down to the ocean. And then it just keeps reproducing itself. It's never meant to stop, church. And when we realize the part that we play in it, because the problem is we don't think that we have a role to play in it because you have a song, you have a sound, you have a gift, and we don't participate in that symphony of worship because we're afraid how we're going to sound bad or I don't like speaking in tongues or whatever the reason is. But I want to tell you this morning, you have a part to play and a song and the enemy is trying to stifle that sound in that song because you've got a cloud that's supposed to be part of a bigger cloud because it's not just an individual anointing, but a corporate anointing where God's heavenly authority increases upon a body. And then we start seeing some things happen. It's not just condensation. It's not just for a show. It's precipitation. There's rain. There's thunderings. There's power. Come on, somebody. Do you know scientifically in a very small cumulus cloud, there is enough power? This is science. Zach, the science guy. I read it online. It must be true, right? There's enough power that is equivalent to 250 tons of dynamite in a small cumulus cloud. Now, Google, do me a favor later, not now. Google 100 tons of dynamite being set off. I, I saw it on YouTube, and this guy goes up there, and he's like, all right, guys, we're going to set this thing off. <laughs> and he says something like, hope the camera doesn't fall over. All right, wish us luck. And then, then you don't see him anymore. And then, I mean, it was, I'm like, what is this? A nuclear explosion? 100 tons of dynamite. That's a lot. A small cloud has so much power. Do you know how much power you got on the inside of you? Can you imagine if we just put our clouds together? Oh. And we began to sing our song. Because there's a song of praise that isn't just a, re- listen, it's not just a rehearsed song. It's not just the song you sing up here. Psalm 22.3, he inhabits the praises of his people. The word praise is tahila. Not to be confused with tequila. Sorry, distraction. I was in Cancun. Sorry, tequila was everywhere. Gloria a Dios. Tahila is not the, hear me, the pre-rehearsed prayer. It's the spont- or praise. It's the spontaneous praise. It's the praise you, you proclaim when you're in the valley and you don't feel like praising God. It's the worship that comes from the depths of your being, not just some thoughts going on in your brain. It's worship that pours out extravagant oil at the feet of Jesus. Where you break yourself open and you say, God, I'm going to praise you. I'm going to worship. Doesn't matter what I'm going through. Doesn't matter if I'm on a mountaintop or a valley low. I will give you praise, honor, and glory because you're worthy. That's the kind of praise God inhabits. If we learn not just a sensitivity in Counter Church Las Vegas to the Holy Ghost, but we learn a sensitivity to the corporate cloud that God wants to manifest when we participate in that tahila praise. 
is so, so profound, so powerful. Now, how does it happen? There's a river flowing out of you. That's how it happens. There's a river constantly. The Bible says in John 7, 37, 38 through 39, Jesus says, if you're thirsty, come drink. Out of your belly, out of your heart will flow rivers of living water by the power of the Holy Spirit. I want to go quickly in closing to Acts chapter 4. I'm allowed three closings, second service. So uh, I may or may not be joking. Acts chapter 4. I want to read this to you. This is so powerful. Now, I want to just give you just a little context. You can read it later. Read Acts 3. Who likes to read the Bible? Who reads the Bible when I'm preaching? The devil's a liar. As long as you're reading the scriptures I'm reading. No, I'm just playing. I'm going to give you a little context, okay? Acts chapter 3. The, the church is exploding. Pentecost. There's a suddenly that happens. They're all in one place in one accord. Come on. And then the power of God just manifests. Holy Spirit. Church is born. 3,000 saved in a day. Peter gets up and preaches. The one who denied the Lord. The uneducated. Layman. The fisherman. He's a businessman. He gets up, preaches. 3,000 people get saved. Church is exploding. Things are happening. And in Acts chapter 3, they're walking into the temple. uh, And uh, Peter sees this guy who's always begging at the same porch, the gate called Beautiful, Solomon's porch, and he's begging and he's paralyzed. And Peter looks at him, and I I just imagine what's going on in Peter's mind. He's probably thinking like, you know what? I'm tired of this dude always begging for money. Let's get him healed. Come on, somebody. (laughs) And so he looks at him and he says, look at us. And that beggar looks up at them expecting to receive money or something. Peter says, I don't have money to give you. I'm paraphrasing but what I have, I give to you. I don't have just a handout for you. I've got a hand up and I'm gonna give you the treasure that I have in this earthen vessel, the presence of God, the life of God. He grabs him by the right hand and stands up. The man is healed. Okay, so people are going crazy. Like they've seen this guy begging for a long time. He gets healed. So the the. the he begins to preach the gospel and he preaches resurrection. The religious crowd, especially the Sadducees, because they didn't believe in the resurrection, they're all ticked off. How many know when there is life, religious people don't like it? And sometimes religion can manifest in a shh, or it can manifest in a that's just too wild, or it can manifest in, well, that's just charismania. Or it can manifest in all sorts of ways when we don't realize the enemy is behind that spirit trying to silence true praise, true worship, true life, true revival from breaking out in the earth. Oh, I feel like preaching. I've been waiting this whole time. And in in Acts chapter 4, we see a culmination where Peter and John are arrested and they come before the Sanhedrin. The religious people don't like this. But then the guy who got healed standing right next to him, they're like, what are we going to say? Whoa, what are we going to say? They let him go on one condition. Say one condition. Don't say the name of Jesus anymore. You can keep doing what you do. Keep going to church. Just stop saying that name. Don't say the name of Jesus. So they forbid them. Peter's like, should we obey God or you? Eh, I think I'll obey God. So they come together and report this in Acts chapter four. Pick up with me, verse 23. They let him go. 
they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said. Verse 24, so when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord. That's the corporate cloud. That's the, corp that's the symphony. Not a solo, a symphony. We all participate in it. Not just the worship team. You might not be able to sing on the mic, but you still have a song and a sound and you can make a joyful noise. But just don't be silent because there's a corporate cloud. There's a corporate manifest presence of God. There's an authority of kingdom reign. The enemy is trying to stifle and silence your sound. He's trying to constrict you. He's trying to choke the life out of you because there's heavenly DNA that God put in you and predetermined before the foundation of the world. And that DNA is the DNA of a world changer. That DNA, that thing, that gift, what God put inside of you is from heaven. It's a revelation of the heart of God and the love of God. It's a voice. Come on. It's a shout. It is a, it is a glory, a presence, a cloud, a treasure that he wants to release to people that are around you. This is why religion hates spirit-filled worship. And it says they lifted their voices one with one accord. I love moments like this where the congregation sings louder than the team. And it's, it's, it's not a competition. It's not contentious. It's, it's like everyone is doing their part. Ephesians chapter two, it paints this picture where Paul says, you're not just a temple of the Holy Spirit, but we are a dwelling place for God, fitly framed together. I'm telling you, sometimes I think we come together and we're temple of the Holy Spirit and we just come with our little cloud and we get our praise on and I, I'm here in my cloud. Don't touch me, I'm worshiping. And we're gathering, there's a lot of gatherings, but why don't we move to assembly where our clouds merge, where the glory of God on your life merges with the glory of God on my life. Now we're transforming community. Now we're influencing people in realms of society that we never dreamed of, in political realms, in Clark County School District. Come on, somebody. In every realm of society, in business, and, and, and in the church, and all around us, in outreach. And not, we're not just giving a hand out, but a hand up. What I have, I don't have what you want, but I have something you need. You need an encounter with God. And we're not just gathering with our little clouds and our little encounters we have with God. And it's about our revelation with God. No, we come together and it becomes this beautiful revelation, this beautiful symphony, every unique sound, every part of the body doing its share. It says they raise their voices and they begin to pray, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and, and sea and all that is in them. They continued to pray, jump down to verse 31. When they all had prayed, Come on. It says the place they were assembled together was shaken. Say shaken. I want these prayer meetings. I want these kind of prayer meetings. Not only is the place shaken, but I'm shaken. Shake me up, God. Shake stuff off of me. Come on. You know, the apostle Paul came onto an island and started a fire. The man of God started a fire. And what happened? A snake came out and bit him. Anytime a revivalist or a fire starter starts a fire, the enemy always tries to manifest. What does the apostle Paul do? He just shakes that poisonous viper off right into the fire. He probably didn't say that, but that's what I'd say. And then I'd be like, honey, call 911. I'm just telling you where my faith is at, y'all, okay? This is the Bible. I'm, trying, I'm getting there, but... 
It says they prayed and it was shaken. I want faith that shakes where things are shaken off of us. Things are broken off of us. Come on. The spirit of offense that we've carried for 29 years in the church. This church hurt me. That church hurt me. Yep. And you probably hurt some people too. And we're not perfect, but let's love and forgive and keep moving forward. I'm not going to allow the spirit of offense keep me from heaven invading earth through my life, in my life, and those people around me. I don't have time for that. I'm not going to feed the goats. I'm feeding the sheep. I'm not beating the sheep up. I'm loving the sheep. I want them to graze. I want them to live. I want them to overcome and reign in life and be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. We don't have time for offense. There are things the enemy, the enemy has tried to grip us with and we're just supposed to shake off in the fire. He goes on. It says, the book of Acts says, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Once again, it's not a one-time thing. It's continual. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. Then it says, the multitude of those who believe were of one heart and one soul. There it is again, the symphony. Neither did anyone say any of the things he possessed was his own, but he had all things in common. And with great power, say great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and with great grace, say great grace, was upon them all. There's a new sound. There's a song. There's a praise that God wants to birth through you. We all have a sound. We're all part of this symphony of the body of Christ. And I'm going to tell you right now, I won't be silenced. And I don't want you to be silenced by the enemy. In closing, there's my second closing. I'm allowed one more. Real quick, this is my real closing though, for real. For reals, yo. Acts chapter 16. I was reminded of this story. Now, I don't like to over-spiritualize things, guys. And I don't like to talk about the devil a lot. But how many know we're not to be ignorant of his devices? We don't fight the devil. He's already been defeated. We fight from victory. We shout the victory that has been won through the work of the cross. Hello? The enemy's defeated. Luke 10, 19 says, Jesus said, Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing will by any means hurt you. How many say that's a good promise? Say, trample on serpents. It's one of the promises God gave immediately after the fall. Said, he, you will bruise his heel, but he will crush your head. The enemy's been defeated. I don't like to talk about the enemy, but this story in Acts, I believe is a prophetic thing for now. And what happens is they're, they're preaching. Uh, Paul and Silas are preaching and they went to prayer, okay? Anytime that we go to worship, go to prayer, there's always a distraction, have you ever seen that happen where the spirit moves and there's a lot of stuff going on and sometimes there shouldn't be a lot of stuff going on? Hear me. What I mean is like, and, and I think we could all learn, all of us can learn better, but the spirit's moving and we think we've got to do something. The spirit's moving and we think we've got to pray for somebody, prophesy over somebody. Well, I have a word. Well, that's good. Just let it burn. But what is God doing in the moment? And that corporate sensitivity is so important. And, and sometimes when there's a, a place of prayer, a place of worship, the enemy likes to bring some confusion. So here's what happens. They're praying. It says in Acts 16, 16, let's get through this real quick. A slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination met us. 
who brought her master's much by uh, profit by fortune telling. Verse 17. The girl followed Paul and us. She cried out saying, these are men... Uh, these men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. It says that she did it for many days and followed them around. Now listen, was Paul and Silas men proclaiming truth from the Most High God proclaiming the way of salvation? Is what she was saying true? Right. The words were right, but the breath wasn't right. The spirit behind it wasn't right. And the spirit of divination, you can translate it imitation of the divine witchcraft, but it's the word python. What does a python do? A python's not venomous. A python tries to constrict. And that spirit, that demonic spirit tries to constrict true praise flowing out of your mouth and my mouth because the enemy knows if that individual cloud becomes a corporate cloud, he's done. He is evicted out of territory that no longer belongs to him. And Paul, annoyed, say annoyed. I'm about to close. Annoyed. I love that verse. I claim that verse when I'm irritated at my kids. I'm so annoyed at you. No, that doesn't work. That's out of context. There was something in his spirit, though, that rose up and said enough is enough. And he cast the demon out of this slave girl. Listen, I want you to know that the enemy has no authority over you to constrict praise, to constrict the destiny, to constrict the call, to constrict that worship, that voice, that sound that he's called you to release in the earth. Stand up with me as we close. Come on. I want to pray for you quickly, and then we're going to close. And if anyone needs prayer, we're going to have our prayer team come up. Did you all enjoy this this morning? Can you just seal with a shout of praise? Thank God for the word right now. Lord, thank you right now that you're bringing freedom. And whatever has tried to constrict any spirit that is not of God, we command that thing to go in Jesus' name. Lift your hands with me right now and just thank God for freedom. I, Lord, I declare right now, every oppressive thing from Satan right now I command every oppressive thing from the enemy we break the power of it in Jesus name spirit of witchcraft drugs, alcoholism sexual things Lord unhealthy sexual things we just break the power of it now in Jesus name lift your hands up and, and say I won't be silent come on say it out loud I won't be silent I will give him glory. I will give him praise. Come on now, just begin to release your own sound, your own song, your own praise. Don't be silent right now. Just say, I bless you, Lord. I say yes, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Say that with me. Say hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. We bless you. We give you glory in the name of of Jesus. Lord, bless your people today. I pray that they would feast and they would let the word brand and burn in their hearts. We thank you for the manifest presence over this house and we declare an increase right now. Lift your hands up with me and just receive the presence of the Lord. Receive his manifest presence. Join hands with someone nearby as your hands are raised and I want you to release the presence, the glory cloud on your life, 
on the person next to you. I release it over the person on my right and my left right now. Come on. I release the wine of heaven. Baptize us in your spirit, Lord. Baptize us in your spirit. We want to go deeper. Deep is calling to deep. We want to experience more of you together. More of your love. More of your presence. Break it open, Lord. We thank you for divine condensation and a divine precipitation. Let it rain. Let the cloud manifest. In Jesus' name. We thank you for it. In the name of Jesus. Would you shout out amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Seal it with praise, would you? And do me a favor, before you're dismissed, I'm going to have my wife come up, properly dismiss you. And as she comes, can we have our prayer team quickly come up front too? Can you just shout amen one more time for that word? So good, so good, so good.